0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. All right. If you listen to Mike's newscast, one of the things he quoted President Biden, who was just speaking, is saying, now, President Biden has always been a big advocate of gun control slash banning guns of certain types. He he just said that in the wake of what happened yesterday, this horrible situation out of Boulder, Colorado, he said, look, we've got to once and for all, we've got to look at banning assault weapons. All right. Now, is that, really, is that really practical? And how would you accomplish something like that? And would it be a good idea? My answer is no, it is not practical. And no, it would not be a good idea. What you need to do is you need to, I think, clamp down on and try to identify people who shouldn't have guns in the first place, as opposed to taking firearms from people who have legitimate uses for them. Here is the... What's going on? And if you haven't seen seen the summary of this, police have now identified the man responsible for the mass shooting at the Colorado grocery store. 21-year-old guy identified as Ahmad Alisa. He was a high school wrestler who has been described by his family as mentally ill, Born in Syria, moved to the u s when he was three, now lives in Arvada, Colorado, around thirty miles from the grocery store he targeted on monday and this is a this is a big grocery store chain the The parent company' is Kroger and Kroger I think owns like the pick and saves in the metro markets here they operate grocery stores these king's super king's super store um, they 're they're operated you know that 's the name they use in Colorado two forty p m he opened fire on uh, shoppers at the grocery store in Boulder, killing 10 people. He was taken into custody at 3.28 p.m., transported to the hospital to be treated for a leg wound. Witnesses said he was using what looked like an AR-15 rifle. Police haven't yet confirmed what kind of weapon he was using or if it was legally purchased. Um, um, over the past 18 months in Facebook, apparently he complained about not having a girlfriend, and ranted about President Trump. Um, his brother confirmed that uh, this guy was the shooter in an interview, saying that uh, his brother was paranoid and very antisocial. Brother said he believes the guy is mentally ill and is convinced uh, was convinced people were after him in in high school, A- and yet he, he was able to obtain one of the these firearms. Um, Joe Biden wants to ban assault. Rifles. Now, of course, it, it's it's important to understand how that that term gets used. Technically, an assault rifle, like something they use in the military, is uh, a firearm that you that fires automatically, like a machine gun. You pull the trigger and it it shoots repeatedly. Um, then you've got the semi-automatic rifles, which are the ones where you have to like pull the trigger repeatedly. And I, I assume that that's the type of firearm that he had. The Atlanta shooting last week, and we went about a year without any of these mass shooting incidents, Um, but we've had two in approximately the last week. The guy that went to the various massage parlors slash spas in Atlanta, he used a handgun and he was able to create his carnage with his handgun. But once again, these long rifles are the ones that are getting all sorts of attention. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, let's have a conversation about gun banning, gun confiscation, and, and, and what you what you do about this. Is it reasonable to say to the millions of Americans that own firearms like this AR-15 that you are no longer going to be legally able to own them? How are we going to get them out of the hands of, of citizens? Are we going to have the government confiscate them? Are we going to have the government say, you need to turn in your weapons, and if you don't, you're going to be a criminal? Is the fact, and look, I am in no way, shape, or form downplaying what this crazy man did yesterday in Colorado. It is an absolute tragedy. It is an outrage, and I think there are fair questions to ask, including... This guy was, in fact, mentally ill. If all these different warning signs were going off, why was he able to acquire? And how did he acquire this particular firearm? Because I would argue whether it's a quote-unquote AR-15 or whether it's a 9mm handgun, I would argue that the guy, if the guy is mentally unstable, you know, we, we, he shouldn't have had any sort of gun, because if he was going to act out in this particular fashion, I don't really care if he shows up with the AR-15, which is admittedly more capable more destruction maybe than the handgun, but you're still going to have people dead. The guy shouldn't have had a gun in the first place. But is the answer, because you have this psycho who should not have had a gun in the first place, is the answer to try to, I don't know, take firearms from other people? And how do you do that as a practical matter? 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs) 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. OK, so Joe Biden, President Biden, his remarks. And, and this is this is not new for for Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been for the longest time. He is a huge advocate of, quote unquote, gun control, including the idea of of banning assault rifles, not banning. Um, and he doesn't distinguish between, again, military-style weapons that are automatic weapons and rifles. Um, just so you understand the scope of this, uh, the estimates are that in the United States right now, there are as many as 17 million, 17 million, quote-unquote, assault rifles, like the AR-15-style of, of firearm. In the possession of citizens, 17 million. Now, I understand that when you have some of these horrible situations, and it was a horrible situation yesterday, that, that a lot of times that the AR-15 or some knockoff variety of that is the firearm of choice. But explain to me. In the real world, how are we going to prohibit? How how are you going to ban these guns? And, And what are you going to do? Are we going to say to the 17 million people that own these particular firearms, you have to turn them in, you have to scrap them, you're going to be a criminal if you keep them? I mean, how how practical is that? And as terrible as what happened was yesterday, and I'm not downplaying that in any way, shape, or form, Do you use what continues to be a relatively isolated situation? And it's horrible, not downplaying it at all. But the fact that, again, you've got 17 millions of these type of firearms, for example, in in possession of people, and you have... Okay, this this incident, and maybe you had another incident a year ago, or maybe you had an incident three years ago. But is that the justification for saying, okay, we're going to take these firearms away from everybody? Maybe what we should be focusing on again is the whole mental illness aspect. This appears to be another one of these situations where even the family is saying, hey, red flag should have been going off all along. This was this antisocial guy who was had all these different rants. He was ranting about President Trump on Facebook. He was upset that. He didn't have a girlfriend. Maybe all these things should have been red flags. And isn't it perhaps easier to identify the, the relatively small number of people who shouldn't have these firearms and intercede than to try to collect them from, again, 17 million people? Okay, may, maybe it's not 17 million. If there's 17 million guns. Some people own multiple varieties of this. And even if you do take those firearms away, even if you take the, quote-unquote, assault rifles, however you want to describe it, how far are you going to carry this? Do you take the shotguns away? Do you take the handguns away? Because keep in mind that the horrible situation, those massacres in Atlanta, as I just mentioned last week, those massacres in Atlanta were committed by a guy with a 9 millimeter handgun. Eight five five Let's start with Ryan in Oconomowoc. Hi, Ryan.
2: Hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, hey, um, so I think I, I agree with you that um, you know banning all assault rifles um, outright and and saying you know you got to turn in your guns that that's not reasonable. It's it just you know just it's basically impossible. Um, but I, I have to say, I think that there's more um, reasonable gun control measures that could be taken. I.e., um, no new sales. Of those types of weapons, no no trading or selling of existing weapons, banning certain magazines and maybe limits on purchases of ammunition. So I think there's other ways that some, you know, we, we can kind of attack this problem.
1: Okay, so you would you would prohibit the private transfer. So if I, let, let's say I, I don't own an AR-15, but let's say I owned an AR-15, you would prohibit me from being able to, to transfer that. If I decided I wanted to sell it or to give it to my, my kid or my grandkid or something like that, you would think I wouldn't be able to, you would say I shouldn't be able to do that.
2: Well, you know, I think I think that there are ways. So, like, there's existing. I mean, uh, uh, guns and things like some large caliber, like let's just say bazookas. I don't know right. specifically, but there are there are guns like that where people can legally transfer it. Just take the, the documentation, the the hassle to do it. Like, if you wanted to do that, if it's a family heirloom, I think yes, mm-hmm. you probably could. We could work out ways to do that, mm-hmm. um, and I think that exists for some of these things. Um, so yeah, no, I think that would be okay. But like a general transaction, like I'm going to trade you this gun for that gun, or, you know, I'm going to give you 150 bucks on, on a deal we did on marketplace or something, you know, like I, I, I think we could we can work on that.
1: Okay. Well, thanks. For, I mean, I guess I, I think that that that's a tougher sell. I, I do think that, that there are things that you can do, and I understand whenever I say this, I get people on the right that are upset about that. I do think you can look at stuff like the the high capacity magazines and and things like that. I mean, if if you're if you're using a rifle like this for sport shooting or you're using it for hunting, and they are used for hunting, if you're using this for hunting or, or that, do do you need a magazine that, that has, you know, like 50 bullets in it? And, and I've I have felt that way. I mean, I do think whether you're talking about handguns or other stuff, there are reasonable limitations that you can put on that. I mean, limiting limiting ammunition so you, you can't buy ammunition, I, what, what does that necessarily accomplish? Because, again, unless we're going to remove all firearms from our society – If you've got if you've got a guy that's that's psycho and decides that he's going to show up outside a supermarket and then start shooting and he doesn't have access to the assault style rifle, quote unquote. Well, he's going to do what the Atlanta shooter did, which is go buy a a nine millimeter handgun. Now, again, as long as we're talking about gun control thing, I think you have to be open to some stuff in in Atlanta. The guy who bought the 9mm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he bought it the day or the day before. He, I, mean, I think it was the day of, of the shooting. Now, I do think, you know, for example, you know, waiting periods. Kind of reasonable. I mean, is in time. I, I'm a big supporter of background checks. If you say like a waiting period of 24 hours or something like that, is is that a major restriction on Second Amendment rights? N- no, it's not. And does it have the potential, perhaps, to stop may, maybe not the the mass homicides, but maybe a, a crime of passion or something like that? Maybe. But when I when I hear, let's ban these firearms my my question is okay how are you going to get them off the street and you know what what are you going to do 17 million in people's possession 855-616-1620 let's talk to mark in grafton mark you're on wtmj hello
3: hi thanks for taking my call yes sir uh you know you 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 use the analogy you say well if they start banning ar15s they'll be banning what next handguns and this and that well how about this jeff how about how about if they just start like legalizing uh, dynamite and and uh, you know hand grenades? I mean, really? Because I I don't consider uh, those any more dangerous than an AR-15. Well, and
1: what does the guy need well,
3: an AR- what does the guy need an AR-15 well, p- for anyway? People
1: use people. Well, they're, they're rifles. I mean, people use them. We'll open up the phone lines to people who have them. What I mean, look, people use them for hunting. People use them for target shooting. I mean, I don't. Do, do people need shotguns? I mean, should we outlaw shotguns?
3: People use them for target shooting. They don't, for the most part, I've heard of you hunting wild boar and all that kind of stuff. If you need an AR-15, you're a terrible shot. Oh. How about if you just had AR-15s at at shooting range and they were kept there? Well, I mean, would that be unreasonable? How are you going to... guy's not going to use it that often well, that he needs to have the thing in his in his gun case, for crying out loud.
1: How are you going to collect them? 17000000 million. Let, let, let's talk about the real world. So Joe Biden says I'm going to ban are. these.
3: They're not. They're not going to collect them. How about if we just limit the sale of them? I mean, you, that's the whole Republican right wing thing. We're going to go into people and take their guns
1: away. Well, oh but he God. says he wants to but ban them. You- no thanks. Well, I mean, I don't. I'm, that's not me. It's the it's the president of the United States just saying I, I want to ban assault weapons. So that that's not me. That that's him saying that. Now I don't know what that means necessarily. Does that mean we're not going to let new people have them? Well, okay. You, you've got seventeen million or so that are out there now, and of that seventeen million, and again, I'm not downplaying the, the horrible thing that happened yesterday. I mean, I, I understand it was an awful sort of situation, but at the same time, does the fact that that ends up, you know, that you have one of those situations that occurs from time to time way too often, but it occurs from time to time. Is that the justification for saying, okay, we've got 16 plus million people who own these firearms and do not use them in an irresponsible fashion? I mean, is that what you have to do? And does that even solve the problem? Which, again, I I bring up this situation. You had the shooter in Atlanta last week that used a 9mm. All right, so if this crazy guy in Boulder couldn't have gotten the AR-15 yesterday or didn't have it, and we still don't know where he got it from and how long he's had it. Those, that will undoubtedly come out soon. But, okay, if he couldn't get the AR-15, do you think that he wouldn't have – Gotten a nine millimeter or something like the guy in Atlanta? Where do you draw the line, and is that where you want to focus? Now, if you want to talk about uh, again a later longer waiting period, if you want to talk about limitations on the size of magazines and things like that, I, I think that's a, a very very valid conversation. Okay, we continue the conversation in just a moment. But actually, that that was the challenge. And look, I'm I am not a hunter, and I am not a gun collector. I own a handgun, but I, I'm not a gun collector. There. If you own one of those AR-15s or a similar sort of, quote-unquote, assault rifle, why do you need it? eight five five six one six one six twenty And And for the sake of this discussion, let, let's not have the slippery slope argument. Let's not have the conversation, I, I need it because, you know, I, I just, I, I want it. I mean, is there a real-world use for this besides... Showing up outside a grocery store at two thirty on a Monday afternoon and shooting a bunch of people. We continue the conversation in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Jeff Wagner on
1: WTMJ. Right here's a text, Jeff. Please educate me. I'm not a gun owner, but I support all my family and friends who are hunters. Why do people need automatic weapons, and what are they used for? Well, here and this is a distinction people need to know. The the AR fifteen. It, which, in the military version, is an automatic weapon you can it's like a machine gun you pull the trigger and it shoots repetitively you don't have to pull the trigger again. Most of the quote unquote assault rifles that are in private hands aren't machine guns in other words they they are they're just they operate like any other rifle. you have to pull the trigger so they're not automatic weapons. Automatic weapons are regulated. If you want to own a machine gun, you need to get a permit and go through a whole licensing thing, but we're talking about rifles. We're talking about shotguns. We're talking about handguns. And we continue the conversation in just a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Iconet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Before we go back to the phones, there's a couple text. texts. Jeff, I have several AR-15 style guns. I love shooting them at the ranges. Jeff, shooting is a sport and a hobby. If you told someone that was collecting cars that they could only one, own one Yugo and they wanted a Ferrari, it's the same as telling somebody to enjoys shooting that they can't have a deluxe um, weapon. Um, let's see, 855 um, 6161620 Jeff, I... I have, a, I have one, uh, a quote-unquote assault rifle. And again, I'm not talking about the machine guns. I'm talking about the the AR-15 semi-automatic style rifles. I have one, I enjoy shooting with it, I enjoy hunting it with it. I have a 10 round magazine, I don't need a 30 round one, and my gun will never kill anyone who isn't threatening my life or someone else's life. It's the mentally ill people who are killing other people with guns. Jeff, we clearly need to improve background requirements and develop and fund a new system where unstable or mentally ill people possessing a weapon can be reported. It can can be anonymous or not. Um, well there is an see there is an element of that 855-616-1620 that's the ICanit Mortgage Talk and Text line. Let's talk to um, let's see Vincent on the northwest side. Hi Vincent.
4: Hey Jeff, how you doing? What, Good afternoon. What do you think you know at some point You know, at some point in America, we decided that the machine guns were a bad thing to to basically have in this country. The fact is we decided to say, well, we need to put permits. You need to have a permit to get a machine gun. You need to have a license to have a machine gun and maybe be registered. The fact is we didn't go around and say everybody and start breaking into people's houses and say, hey, you need to give us that machine gun. It didn't happen. The fact is, over time, over time, the fact is is that the, that didn't, the machine gun did not come the the preferred weapon of individuals going out here, basically massacring people. And I don't know why America can't get its head around that we can't do the same thing with an AR-15 or assault weapon or or or, or magazines with multiple uh, multiple. Uh, well, let's, uh, ammunition. Talk, let's
1: talk. Let's talk about the gun itself. Let, let's the let, let's let's put aside the 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 large magazine for a second because i i don't i don't disagree with you on that i i at the same time i'm not sure that that given how fast you can reload you know you dump one magazine you put it in right away that's just a couple seconds but but let's put that aside okay so tell me what you would do 17 million ar-15 semi-automatic assault rifles in the hands of people what what would you do
4: First of all, just like the machine gun, I would have. Uh, the, the, if you go out and purchase one, you have to be registered to buy that. Buy that particular gun. Okay. You have to go out and have a permit to get that particular gun, just like the machine okay, gun. Okay. Well. Let, okay. Let me yeah.
1: stop. Let me stop you there. Okay. When you say a permit, now to get a machine gun, you you have to go through ATF. You have to go through your your local county sheriff or local police department. Exactly. So you you would have a permitting permitting thing put in for anybody who wants to buy one of those type of rifles
4: exactly and and if you and if you ever wanted to transfer that gun it's just it's just like go it's just like going in and and transferring your car okay how the about shotguns you, would
1: you do the same thing for shotguns
4: no shotguns are different shotguns shotguns you will, you only can shotguns you can uh, you only have so many uh, so much ammunition that you can put in the darn thing
1: okay, okay. how about so, pistols so. the guy in atlanta two weeks ago had a nine millimeter pistol would you have the the same rule for pistols
4: not with pistols, unless you have unless you, unless you deal with multiple unless it can can hold multiple a uh, uh, magazine that will have multiple multiple ammunition in it.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, I own a nine If you, have,
4: if you well, have a six, for instance, if you have a six gun, you have a six gun. It's a revolver. You can shoot six freaking bullets out of the darn thing. Right, right. The but the fact is, once you once you add a magazine that can shoot twenty twenty rounds in it. The fact is that yeah, you would need to register that gun.
1: Oh, okay, well let, let's talk about there, there's two types of handguns. Generally speaking, there, there's the revolvers, like the old six guns, where you put the six bullets in, and then there yeah. there are the there are the pistols that um, millions of people, including I, my cell phone, and there's the ones where you have the the magazine. I think my magazine you can have. I think it's it, I think it has eight bullets, so you could have eight bullets in the magazine, and then you could have one in the chamber, so you could fire nine rounds without reloading for every, and that that's common for everybody who owns one of those handguns would you have them register they have to register it
4: no they wouldn't have to register it, I'm saying if, it if it can hold more than a certain amount uh, a, a magazine hurt certain amount of bullets in the darn thing if you can pop pop a, uh, a magazine with twenty to thirty bullets in a diving, yes, you need to register because basically it's an assault weapon.
1: Well, okay, but then a lot of people, I'm sure, like me, Vincent, that have multiple magazines. So I mean, I you know I, I have I, I probably have three or four magazines, and so what would happen is I, I shoot my nine rounds, the the eight in the magazine and the one in the chamber. I, I push this little button, the thing piles out. I take the other magazine, I pop it in, and it. It would probably, it would probably take me no more than a couple seconds to to reload. I mean, so why why, why shouldn't I have to register? That, that,
4: that couple of sec- that's a couple of seconds, Jeff, could save could save multiple lives. The fact is that couple of seconds could allow uh, law enforcement to get them and hopefully stop you from stop you from uh, uh, creating more damage. And this is what I'm saying. The fact is, the, the fact is in this country we don't want to do anything. If we if, if we do one thing, we can't do anything. But the fact is, we did. Mm-hmm. We did in this country understand how bad a machine gun was. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, we did put some rules on it. And so I think we could do the same with 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 with. Okay. One one more question. One more question.
1: Okay. We we were talking about the 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 AR-15s and the new purchases and things. Things like that. What what would be the rules with regard to the 15, 16, 7 million, 17 million people who already own these? Would they have to come forward and register their firearms? Would that be what you would want to do?
4: No, no. You can you can grandfather them in. The okay. fact is, you can grandfather them in just like you did people with machine. You grandfather them in, and the, and if if you decide to go out and purchase one, you have to go through the same the same that the same process in and, and getting the machine gun. It's okay. as simple as that. Okay.
1: Th- thanks for call. I mean, I guess I, I d- distinguishing between I, I, but well, to me, I guess that that doesn't. That doesn't solve the problem. If you are convinced that the problem is that, that somebody has access to an, an AR-15, the semi-automatic style of a firearm, it, it, to say, okay, if you buy a new one, you, you've got to go through this permitting process, but we've got 17 million of them out there, and, and we're going to exempt them. I and mean, it seems to me that, that that doesn't solve the problem. Now, I'm not the guy that, that believes in, in banning these types of firearms. Again, I, I think you can tinker around the edges and size of magazines and things like that, but but how do you, if the goal is to get these off the street, is that a reasonable, is that reasonable? And look, I, I think you could go back and have a conversation. Okay, two Two hundred people will send me text saying, "Well, how how come in America we have guns and you know in Great Britain they don't?" Well, okay, it, it goes back to an historical thing. I mean, if if you're if we're having a conversation back in 1770 whatever, and you're saying, "Okay, should should we have the right to?" bear arms. And should we allow people the private ownership of guns and things like that? And and then I mean I, I think maybe you can have that kind of conversation because obviously in a lot of European countries that they've gone a completely different route and private ownership of firearms, like in the United Kingdom, is as a general rule it's it's not allowed. But that's what that, that history has been. In this country we haven't had the history and given the fact that you have all these millions of guns and we're you know, if if it's sixteen or seventeen million of these so-called assault rifles that are in people's possession. How, how many million handguns are there? And I guess, does it make any sense to say, okay, we're going to go after one type of firearm, but not after another? We continue the conversation in a moment.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: You know, int- the numbers are interesting. And I, I think there's some people that think you can wave this magic wand and say, all right, we're, we're going to get rid of firearms. Or we're going to make them disappear, and people don't need them. I mean, you understand that the, the estimates are that there are over 300 million handguns in in this million firearms in, in this country. They, they estimate that about 40% of adult Americans either own a gun or live with someone who does own a gun. Um, so when when we start talking about all right, you know, registering things and we start talking about, well, you shouldn't be able to own this type of firearm or that type of firearm. You have to understand that the, the massive challenge that is is out there, and again, I understand that other countries don't don't have as many handguns, but they don't ha- or firearms, but they don't have the tradition of firearm ownership that we have in this country, good or bad. But it, it is it is where we are is. So I guess the, the question becomes when you have a horrible situation like yesterday that thankfully does not occur on a daily basis. I mean, is the answer, gee, let's try to figure out a way to take away firearms from the, the sixteen million people who own this particular type of firearm or from all the people that own firearms, is that the answer, or is the answer to concentrate resources on saying, why does a guy who just by all intents and purposes, just we just have the basic description of his life thus far, should be sending up all these red flags about somebody who should have probably not, who should have definitely not had access to firearms in the first place, Wouldn't it make more sense to concentrate our resources on that type of stuff, stopping a guy like this from owning the firearm in the first place? And isn't that a more practical solution than trying to say, "Okay, well, we want people to register their guns, but that doesn't take those guns off the street. All right. Let's talk to um, let's see. We've got Matt in Milwaukee. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff.
5: Thanks for taking my call on the show. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm a I'm a psychologist. I work within the court system. I'm also an army veteran and a gun owner, so I feel like I can kind of look at this issue from a lot of different angles. Um, and so whenever this topic's brought up specifically like mental illness and violence, and I'd be remiss to not remind people that the vast majority of folks with mental illness are not violent and don't want kind of that false equivalency to be made and you know mm-hmm. unnecessarily stigmatize that group even further. Um, but with that said. You know, there's some real inherent difficulties, like, in identifying people with mental illness that should be restricted on their right, you know, to own firearms. There's already some things in place, like, you know, people that have been, you know, acquitted on insanity of crimes typically are already barred from holding firearms. People subject to, like, a civil commitment are sure. usually barred from owning firearms. So those structures are already in place. And if we talk about expanding this, to say, like, requiring treatment providers, you know, to report people to the government that they believe may be violent, I see that as kind of being a dangerous precedent that could have unintended consequences in that it could discourage people from, A, pursuing treatment in the first place, or, B, being honest with their treatment providers, which then if we have mentally ill folks prone to violence, not feeling comfortable seeking treatment, all of a sudden, we potentially undermined you know, our safety mission. Sort of say that maybe we had
1: in mind to begin with. But but what? So but then, what do you do? I mean, I if if we accept the fact that this is a, a mental health issue as much as anything else, you know, because again, it's mm-hmm. the, the the firearm, the firearm is is the tool. I mean, the firearm is the is the hammer. You know, the shooter is the carpenter. So if we accept accept the fact that this is a a mental health issue. How, how do we deal with it then? Because I think we'd all agree that we've we got to figure out a way to stop people who have these tendencies and have this mental illness from walking into a Kroger store and killing 10 people.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think, Jeff, was was really easy, well, not easy, but what's much easier is rather than kind of having a magic wand and being able to reach into the basket and identify those very few number of people with mental illness that are likely to escalate to this point of violence, is to get serious about how we fund preventative mental health care and policy in our community, especially within Milwaukee. I mean, it's just appalling the current state of affairs that's available, mm-hmm. especially to low-income folks who have a higher incidence of mental illness. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not willing to get serious about supporting their mental health on the front end, it's hard to say how we're really seriously invested in tackling this issue.
4: Yeah,
1: and, and, regardless, and when you're talking about the whole broader issue of, of people who are suffering from mental illness who, who aren't necessarily inclined to act out violently but still have other mental health issues, um, be, not just the ones who might, if they get access to a gun, go out to a Kroger and start shooting it up.
5: Yeah, that's correct. And the reality is a lot of these folks, though, that do end up escalating that level of violence have been in contact with the mm-hmm. system at some point. But the system was so overwhelmed, yeah. you know, they weren't adequately served and couldn't have been properly screened in the first place.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think so. I mean, I, I have Now that, of course, brings up an even larger issue. But I, I don't disagree. I mean, I think we um, I, I think the way we approach mental illness in this country and the way the laws approach it are. In many respects, d- disgraceful. And, and anybody who, and we've talked about this in different contexts in the past. Anybody who's had a, a, a relative, for example, a loved one who struggled with the issues with mental illness, you you, you can probably testify to this. Because as a general rule, that the law is that you you can't intervene with somebody who clearly has mental illness unless you can demonstrate that they are a danger to themselves or a danger to others. Well, the problem with that is that, you know, a lot of times you, even though everybody sees that it's just a a train wreck, that the person is just on a, a, a steady pathward spiral downward, the, you you normally have to wait until they have acted out in as a danger to themselves or others but before you say okay well you know now we can now we can intervene and now we can do an involuntary commitment or now we can force the people the person to get the treatment that they need so i i don't think we do and i've argued this for the longest time i i don't think this attitude that we have that gee we're just going to you know if you want to sleep on the streets when it's 20 below um we're, we're just going to let you do that we're going to try to talk you into coming into a shelter but you know, if you say you don't want to, well, then we're just going to let you, let you do that. I don't think that we do anybody any favor. So I don't disagree with that. Look, th- this is just food for thought. And I, I raise this topic because I am as appalled as anybody about what happened as, yesterday. And I do agree that, that there, you get to a point where you say, OK, hopes and, and prayers, that, that that's not an adequate response. I just raise this question in the real world. When you have politicians who then say, okay, well, this is our justification. This is why we need to confiscate this or ban this or ban that. I think it's a fair conversation to have to ask, okay, what is that going to really, really do? Back with more in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City,
0: this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff
1: Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Once you are fully vaccinated, do you feel it is time to party? Now, I ask that question because there's this ongoing battle right now. Let's see. I just pulled up the numbers right now. You have about 82 million Americans who have received one or both doses of the the vaccine. Now, that's still only about 12% of, of the U.S. population, but more and more people are, are getting vaccinated. And of the people who are getting vaccinated, more and more of those people are the ones who are in the highest risk categories. Look, by, by that, I mean, one of the things that we have known from the beginning of the pandemic was the fact that while nobody wants to get covid for most people, you get COVID, you're sick for a couple days, or maybe you're not sick at all, you recover, you go on with your life. The problem is when you have people, there are some people who have really, really bad reactions to it. And the one thing we know statistically is that while an otherwise healthy 32-year-old can, in fact, come down with COVID and 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 die, that's statistically not likely. The people who have the worst reactions statistically, again, are its age and its underlying you know, circumstances, its underlying medical conditions. You know, the 80-year-old with uh, diabetes and hypertension and obesity, much more likely to die from COVID than the otherwise healthy 22-year-old. So that's why that even though recently you see in a number of states that there's been an uptick in the number of COVID infections as people get back to normalcy, you you haven't seen an uptake in the number of deaths or an uptake in the number of hospitalizations. And it's because the, the people that are most vulnerable, well, they're they're now they're now protected. They they've got the vaccines. And so when you look at these pictures of like the, the partygoers at Miami Beach and, and yes, it looks like a super spreader event, there's no question about that, but it's by and large. Even if that happens, it's some 22-year-old giving it to another 22-year-old. Now, I understand the risk is that that 22-year-old is going to come home and they're going to interact with their 78-year-old grandmother in the nursing home. And if she hasn't been vaccinated, maybe it's going to be a problem. But but in general, even where you see the number of COVID cases that are on an uptick, it's still it's still not leading to more hospitalizations. It's not leading to more medical treatment. It's not leading to more deaths because we're doing a better job of protecting those people who are, again, most vulnerable. And that's going to be be doing nothing but increase. In Wisconsin, we have uh, just changed the rules to pretty much allow almost anybody who wants to get to get a vaccination. Um, They've lowered the age requirement. They've also included like pre-existing conditions, including obesity. And under the standard that the government has, nothing to be proud of, but about 66 percent of adult uh, Wisconsinites qualify under that obesity thing. And it's an honor system. So now we're in a situation where right now people who want to get vaccines, they're finding ways to do it. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, so here here's the deal personally. I had COVID last November. I still have the antibodies. And actually, I, I know there there's this uncertainty as to how long that protection lasts, but I've I felt pretty good that the fact that, you know, I I've I've got those antibodies and I have not been worried about a reoccurrence. I understand that it can happen. But that doesn't happen. Reinfection does not happen very often. So I felt pretty good about it. But nevertheless, I'm going to get the vaccinations. Uh, my first shot is scheduled for tomorrow morning and then presumably th- I'm getting the Pfizer one. So three weeks later, I'll get the other one after that. And then after whatever the waiting period is, whether it's 10 days or, or two weeks, I, I think I'm going to be pretty much good to go. And I pretty much intend to resume a complete normal lifestyle. Now, if the rules are that you're supposed to wear a mask when you go into a grocery store or something like that, if that's what the community rules are, I, I look, I'll, I'll follow I'll follow the rules. If a store says, "Hey, you know, we want you to continue to wear masks even though, you know, you're vaccinated and you've had it and all those things." I, I mean, I'll do it if if that's what the rules are. But as far as Feeling comfortable to go ahead and, and live your life and to travel and to do all these things that we were doing. I, I think, you know, once, once that vaccine kicks in, I, I'm, I'm comfortable doing that. And I guess my question would be for people who aren't, then, then why would be people getting vaccinated in the first place? And I understand the CDC says even if you're vaccinated, we still don't think it's a good idea to travel. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, once you have the opportunity to get those vaccines, and maybe maybe you already have. All right, is that the green light for the return to normalcy? And my answer would be I think for most of us the answer is, is pretty much yes. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Now I'm not necessarily talking about going down to Miami Beach and jumping up on somebody's car and dancing around, but as far as going and, and having a meal inside in, in a restaurant and going to ball games and going to movie theaters, you know, once I get both doses of those vaccine I I think I'm ready. Now, if the different places still want to have limits on capacity and things like that, well, of course, that's what you end up living with. But once I get that vaccine, I think I'm going to be pretty good to go. How about you? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment.
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's give everybody a chance to get vaccinated before we go nuts. That won't happen until June at the earliest. Well, okay, but the question then becomes, if if you are immune, if you've gotten your vaccination so you are immune, What? why why shouldn't you? And again, I understand the social distancing. If people want to have you wear masks, that's fine. But let let's follow the science there. And is there any real science that says that somebody who is immune from this, who's had the vaccine, that you can still pass it on? And if so, wh- where is that data? Because it's it's not there. Right now, Jeff, what's the point of getting the vaccine if we still have to wear masks, mask, social distance, et cetera? Right. See, that's what the consideration is. I You want to encourage people. And this is where I think the CDC w- was so wrong. You want to encourage people to get the vaccines, which I think is a noble thing. Like I say, I'm getting my first dose tomorrow. You, you want to do that. But then at the same time, you say, oh, even after you've done this, well, we, we don't want you to travel. And then you say, well, why don't you want me to travel? Well, you know, we're we're not exactly sure, you know, what the impact is going to be. Well, then, how do you sell the vaccines in the first place, Um, Jeff? I had my second shot on March second, freighter at Menominee Falls. It was an excellent process. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, it. It is, um, Jeff. Now I just watched a show that had a highly respected doctor on that was warning people againing, againing against getting the vaccines that have already had the virus. Um, not very good reactions. Well, I, I mean, I, I look. I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I think that. I think that if you've had the virus, you know, you, you have a degree of antibodies and stuff. And I, I have seen things that people who've had it might tend to have a more severe reaction. But nevertheless, I, I think it's good to just get this out of the way. And then you got your vaccine and then you're good to go. But I do say this. I, once I get that vaccine, as far as I'm concerned, within, again, the bounds of the rules and things like that, I, I'm pretty much good to go. And any hesitation I would have about going into a bar or going into a restaurant or something, that that's that's history okay jeff who's calling us from florida hi jeff
3: hey jeff uh boy i disagree with uh, opening it wide open um i'm 73 years old that uh injections a vaccine there's a certain percentage you can still get it and when you're in my case at my age and i'm overweight and heart conditioned a few other things you take that stuff a lot more serious than uh people in their 20s Mm-hmm. You don't go many places. We hibernated for over a whole year, mm-hmm. and I will hibernate for another year if it means I'm going to live. Well, and, and I think that, that's, that's just my two cents.
1: Well, no, Jeff, and, th- and see and I, that that is a that is a perfectly reasonable reaction if if you because of your individual health circumstances and things like that don't don't trust the the vaccine to you know give you the type of protection you need and you are in fact concerned that if you end up getting covid you're you're going it's a it's a one way ticket to the morgue i respect that i mean i don't think anybody should come around and put a gun to anybody's head figuratively speaking and say okay now you have to go back and you have to live restaurants and you have to get on airplanes and you have to I don't know, socialize with people and go to movie theaters and things like that. I, that's that's all well and good. And I think, but I'm just saying personally for me, you know, w- once I get those vaccines, and again, I, I've already, having had it, I, I do have s- somewhat of a comfort, comfort factor with the idea that you've got some immunity that's built up. But you know, once I get those vaccines, for me, it's gonna be, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready to resume normal life. Understanding again that there are always going to be some risks. I guess the the concern that I have moving forward is we've always, and I've, I've made this point before. You know, back when this started, we talked about flattening the curve, which was making sure that the number of people who got COVID did not overwhelm the medical system, not eliminating it. Because the truth of the matter is, and some people don't want to hear this, but but COVID is going to be with us for a long time. I mean, I understand that the goal is for 80 percent of people to get vaccinated. I don't think you're going to see that. I, I think you'll be lucky to get 60 percent of the population vaccinated. But what you're going to do is you're going to give people the option to, to have it. And even now, with these increased upticks of of COVID in some areas, as things start to loosen up, like I said earlier, you're not seeing the hospitalizations, you're not seeing the deaths. And that tells me it's because the people who are getting it tend to be, again, the younger folks for whom it isn't a death sentence, for whom it is perhaps an an inconvenience. And nobody wants to get COVID. I I get that. But if, if we can protect the most vulnerable, which is the point I've been trying to make for the last year, our priority always to me should have been concentrated on protecting those people who if they get it, were most likely to have a bad outcome. And that's where I think in the state of Wisconsin, we went wrong. We just said, okay, we're gonna shut down everything. We're gonna unemploy all these people without necessarily thinking about, okay, where where should we be concentrating our resources and what should really be the goal? Is it to eliminate COVID or is it to eliminate the really bad consequences of people who might get COVID? 855-616-1620. That's the Iconet Mortgage talk and text line. Jeff, I get my second shot on the 31st. I will not go anywhere until next year. Boy, I will not go anywhere until next year. Well, I respect that. But thats I'm just telling you, that's, that's not... Me, Jeff. I don't think people are waiting for vaccinations to resume travel, etc. Next week is spring break here in the suburbs. At least fifty percent of the people I talk to are either getting on a plane or driving somewhere. We are fatigued and think the risk of illness is low, or the risk of of serious illness. And that's what I say. If you look at the, if you look at where the vaccinations are now, it, it's again, it's the people who are most likely to have those bad outcomes. We're just pulling some numbers. Um, they estimate. The last 11 days, eh, I want to get this right. The last 11 days, the average has been, um, the TSA has recorded more than 1 million people passing through airport security checkpoints for 11 days in a row. And that's the most since you had the shutdown a year ago. So that tells me people are, in fact, feeling, you know, more comfortable um more comfortable doing that. Jeff, as a certified pharmacy technician, I feel we will not have herd immunity for at least a year, too many mutations and too many anti-vaxxers. Yeah, I I, I don't know that there's going to be herd immunity and because there, there's going to be people that make that decision that they're willing to take the risk that they're going to get COVID. Okay, that that's fine, but that doesn't mean, in my opinion, that the people who have Again, had COVID, got the immunity, got the vaccines. That doesn't mean to me that they need to, because somebody else somewhere down the line has made the decision that they don't want to get the vaccine. Fine. All right. That doesn't mean that I now can't live my life does it? I mean I think more and more people are starting to uh realize that. Jeff, planes are full right now. Well, I mean I've been on I've been on uh multiple flights in the last 4 or 5 months and yeah, that's been my experience at least recently. Planes are absolutely full. You know, I fly Southwest a lot and you come on to Southwest and everybody hopes that they're going to be able to keep that middle seat open, you know, because if they have the open seating on Southwest and now they make announcements in the gates, this is a completely full flight. So if you you know put stuff in the middle seat, thinking that that means that somebody's not going to sit there. No, they're they're going to sit there, or they tell people as they're getting on the plane. If you think if you go further in the back, if you're in that C group that's boarding, and as you start going back, if you think suddenly you're going to find those empty rows, it's not going to happen. You're going to be in a middle seat. So just pick the first middle seat that you have and end up getting in there. Um, Let's see, Jeff. The vaccine is not the cure all, and many of us have doubts about its effectiveness. Oh, okay, but to which I say, go with God. That's that's it. If you if you don't want to get the vaccine, that that's fine. I respect it. It's not my way of thinking. I'm going to get the vaccine. But my bigger point is, once I get that vaccine. Uh, the, the CDC can tell me not to travel, but I'm going to say, okay, well, what's what's the point? Once I've got that vaccine, once I am protected, I've protected myself, unless you can show me overwhelming data showing that I am likely to be a carrier and infect other people even though I can't get it, sorry, I'm getting on my plane. Um, Jeff, I got my vaccine last week. I got the Johnson & Johnson one. We are heading to Hawaii this weekend. Huh. That's interesting. I don't know if Hawaii has li- obviously maybe Hawaii has lifted all the requirements that they had. Um, Jeff, I think people who don't want to go out should stay home. Um, end of story. I agree exactly. I think um, that's it. If you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to go out. You just get to stay home. Jeff, I'm in your exact position. Had the virus already. Got one shot. I've been living normal for a long time. I'll wear a mask to be nice in certain places. <laughs> That's it. Um, yeah, Jeff. My husband and I are both sixty-five. We received our first dose today. We have been cautious the past year. Um, but we have four children and 10 grandchildren and have seen them throughout the pandemic. A few of them came down with COVID, but we never did. We're going to go into restaurants um, more as soon as we receive our second dose. That, I think, is, is kind of the reality. And candidly, I think if the CDC wants to, and Doctor the Dr. Fauci's of the world, want to encourage more people to get the vaccine you need to start emphasizing the positives and saying hey once you get the vaccine really the science does suggest that there's not a reason why you can't resume your normal life and if the rule is that on the fourth of july if everybody's been vaccinated you can only have a small gathering in your backyard well you better be able to explain and document with the numbers why that is back with more in just a minute jeff wagner on wtmj Hey, Brewers fans, our very own Greg Matzik has received a non-roster invite to spring training. Now, he's not going to be playing for the Brewers, of course, but join him for the ride. Um, He gets an all-access look inside Brewers Spring Training. Join us all week long during all your favorite WTMJ shows. It's Greg Matzik's spring training trip, all this week, sponsored by Trex, the number one name in outdoor living. All right. I thought it was supposed to be about the kids. Now, I I think... The MPS, the school board, is going to decide tonight whether or not to reopen the schools to in-person learning. And it's kind of like a hybrid model. What they're looking at is, I think, four days on um, and then one day with it closed and parents having the option, if they don't feel comfortable, sending the kids back. Um, it, it's been met with widespread approval, except the Milwaukee Teachers Union, which is saying, nope, it's irresponsible to resume in-person learning. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Shame on the Teachers Union. Here, Look, here's the reality of this. Online virtual learning for most kids, and we've talked about this before, has been – Fill in the blank. Some people might say it's been a disaster. Some people might say it's been a poor alternative. Some people might say it's been a failed experiment. But I think almost everybody, and there might be an exception here, there's that unicorn floating around, somebody whose child has survived, has thrived in the environment. But in general, it's been a poor alternative. Getting kids back into the classrooms is critical. One of the other things that we have seen across Wisconsin and across this country is there were some schools, private and some public schools, that made the decision last September. Here we are, you know, we're almost at the end of March. Last September, they went back to, you know, full in-person learning, maybe not five days a week, but they, they started. Some schools have been full in-person learning from the beginning. Others have used a hybrid model. And by and large, the schools that have done that all across the country have not had problems. You know, Florida was one of the first states the governor insisted the schools open up to in-person learning, and you know what? They've had a lower incidence of COVID among the kids in school than they've had among the general population. So they proved that it's possible to do this. And more and more school districts have done this, understanding that it is unacceptable From a learning perspective, to not have that in-person learning, and also understanding that for many, 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 many people over the course of the last year, they've they've had to go to work, they've had to go about their ordinary lives. You know, they've you've had to have the people that have been working as the servers in the restaurants when the restaurants opened up. They've had to have the people who were coming in daily to work as the checkers in the drugstores and in the grocery stores. They've had to have the people who were showing up on a daily basis to drive the trucks that brought the food to places. I mean, for many of us, you know, life has really not changed with COVID as far as having to go to work and having to do your jobs. So, Many schools have reopened. They've had no appreciable problems. And I'm not saying that there hasn't been an instance where maybe some school had to close because there was a modest outbreak. But you don't hear about like devastating stories at these various schools, um, at least in any sort of large number. So as more people have gotten vaccinated, there's been more pressure to reopen the schools. Now, at MPS in Milwaukee, you know, the teachers got a priority to get vaccinated. The CDC that it seems to me on occasion kind of makes it up as it goes along. You know, initially they said, well, you know, people need to be separated first by six feet. They've now changed that guidance and said, well, I think we were, we were wrong. Well intentioned, but wrong. Now, you know, you, you can have people, you know, within three feet of each other, particularly kids who don't tend to be, uh, who don't tend to get COVID as much and don't tend to transmit it as much. So you can have kids three feet apart, you can put masks on them, and, and, and you will be fine. All right, and so against this backdrop, the union is trying to impose all sorts of pressure on the Milwaukee School Board that has a virtual meeting, I think 5 or 5.30 today, to decide whether they're going to go back to in-person instruction. The union, the teachers' union, is describing it as Very irresponsible were the school board to approve the in-person plan. We are just very clear it would be irresponsible, very irresponsible for any school board member to vote yes to what the administration has put forward, says the president of the Teachers Association. Uh, They say the administration has failed to put together a comprehensive safety plan despite, despite teachers having access to the vaccine. All right, 855-616-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I think this is real simple. The teachers have been vaccinated. The guidelines are there. You've got to get these kids back to school. And I understand that some of the teachers would maybe rather not actually have to go into work and would rather, again, stay at home and do their lessons plans and not actually have to, to come in. But we're past that time. There is no good reason... Not to start resuming in-person learning, just like some schools, public schools, have done since the beginning of the school year in September, just like a lot of private and parochial schools have done since September. You've got to get these kids back in. And for the teachers' union to be saying, nope, 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 we can't do it, and trying to pressure the school board, tells me that the teachers' union is less about the kids, and probably realistically less about safety than they are about, well, we just don't want our members to have to go back. And I seriously wonder how many of those teachers that um the union is saying, well, we, we don't wanna go back. How many of those teachers have gone out to restaurants and how many of those teachers have traveled for spring break and things of the like? It's kind of like when LA was going through this a week ago and then there was the leaked memorandum from the teachers union saying to the teachers, well, when you go on your your vacations for the spring, don't post pictures on, on social media because it's tough for us to argue that we shouldn't have to go back to the classrooms if you're on a beach at uh, you know in, in Cancun or wherever. 855-616-1620. Don't we need to reopen Milwaukee public schools sooner rather than later? And by sooner I mean like last January, we discuss in a moment.
3: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: A year ago, the pandemic was taking hold. Millions were laid off. The stock market plunged and investor confidence was low. As we recover, what will you do differently with your plan and your investments? Join Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management on Wednesday, March 31st. That's a week from tomorrow at 6 p.m. For a special webinar, investing in a post COVID world with our very own Steve Scafidi. This free webinar is open to all fans who are interested in what's next in the markets and investing. To find out more, please visit the features page at WTMJ.com and sign up today. Okay, this afternoon is going to be a real gut check because MPS now recognizes that they have no legitimate reason not to reopen. The CDC has changed its guidelines. Teachers and staff have had access to getting vaccinated, schools that have been open haven't had a problem, and yet the teachers union is putting incredible pressure on the school board, many of whom were elected with teacher union support, not to reopen. All right. At some point in time, isn't it time to stand up to the teachers union, which I distinguish from rank and file teachers and say enough is enough. If you're all about the kids, you got to get back into the classroom. Al in Pewaukee. Al, you're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Hi.
3: Uh, our church school, Lutheran school, has been open since August, and there's only been a couple of students that have been infected. And in fact, uh, their enrollment has been increased because of the public schools at the time being shut down. And I was wondering, how come the Lutheran teachers at our school care more about the the students' interest than a a possibility of of getting a virus? I mean, I don't know if it's a difference in Waukesha County versus Milwaukee County or Madison that the issue is, but I talked to the teachers and they say, well, the, the reason you get into teaching is to teach kids, and that's your whole goal. And what happens to me Well, we take our chance at it.
1: Well, and so expect- I
3: guess I'm trying to figure out.
1: Well, no, I mean, no, no thanks. For, I mean, no, especially since you now have the CDC saying, okay, kids can be three feet apart. You've now had teachers that have had the opportunity to get vaccinated early, an opportunity that we, we haven't extended to all sorts of other workers who have been showing up in person at their jobs and interacting with the public for the better part of the last year. Uh, Jeff, to start off, let me say my daughter is a first-year teacher who is taught in person all year with almost zero issues. She's looking to get a kindergarten or first grade teaching position this year, and is extremely frustrated hearing teachers don't want to come back, eliminate their jobs, and hire somebody that wants to work. I'm not really sure what makes teachers think that they are exempt. They should be essential workers from day one. Jeff. Um, I'm a healthcare worker here. Um, look, I, I have a bias. I've been working in long term healthcare facilities where I see um, elderly staff busting their butt throughout the pandemic, but our teachers need, need to do what's best for their students instead of what is convenient for them. Curious as to what comprehensive plan they have in mind, what a joke. That, that's exactly right. It's not convenient. For and and I look, I know there's lots of rank and file teachers who are ready to to come back. And I understand that this is the union driving it, that the same sorts of unions. Now, somebody says that the teachers union sent out the same sort of memo that I know that the L.A. teachers union said, which is like we know you're living your lives. We if you're going on vacation, just don't don't post pictures of it because. It's going to be tough for us to argue that you can't be back in the classroom when you can be in a bar in Cancun or in Miami Beach or whatever. So we're not telling you don't do it. We're just telling you don't post those pictures. Now, somebody said that MTEA did the same thing. I don't know. I know the L.A. teachers did. And I will say this during the pandemic. I, I know people who are are. Public school teachers, and I, I have run into a couple of them, you know, in, in social settings, in bars and restaurants and stuff like that. And I know some of them are living their lives as well, despite the fact that they've had the chance to get vaccinated before a number of the rest of us. Uh, Jeff, our students and teachers have been very healthy um, at our parochial school. We follow the science. Kids don't pass the virus to adults as a general Rule. Jeff, um, almost all districts are back. Milwaukee is a joke. They just don't want to go back to school. My daughter-in-law has been teaching in Greenfield grade school the entire time. Um, Yeah, uh, Jeff, um, uh, let's see. Our Catholic grade school has been open since August. We have had over 400 students and no major problems um yes jeff i am of the belief that once the vaccine is available to teachers and to students and it's been by the way available to to teachers well students it's not going to be available to students it's i mean it's still even questionable as to whether you give kids the, the vaccine but the one thing we know if we follow the science is that the kids are not likely it's not impossible but the kids aren't likely to spread it if you wait till uh students get vaccinated well you're I don't know that you're ever going to have schools open. All I'm saying is that the schools have opened. They have not had a problem. And yet you have the teachers union that says um, that they don't want to go back. Jeff, when is enough enough? And when do we start dismissing teachers and replacing them with teachers that want to work? Well, okay, right right now, just so we're clear here, the, the Milwaukee school board has not forced the teachers to come back to work. I mean, they they've they've. I think because they've caved into a lot of the pressure from the organized labor in this case, they haven't forced people to go back to work, despite the fact that you have all these suburban school districts and the science that have said it's time to reopen or it's way past time to reopen. So thus far, they haven't been forced to go back to work. Well, okay, now, finally. The school board recognizes that they've done a huge disservice to these students, that in many cases, students at MPS who already struggle compared to students in a number of the other school districts, they've fallen further and further behind. Now, I guess you can make an argument saying that, all right, it's now already March. It's the end of March. You've lost over a year of in-person learning. Um, Does it really make any difference if you give into the whiny teachers union and just keep the schools closed till June? Do you really get that much of an advantage? Can you really accomplish anything by reopening the schools for a handful of weeks before you're going to close them for the summer? And my answer would be, yeah, I think you do. You've got to get people back into the classrooms. And if we say follow the science, there's no longer a reason not to. But tonight's going to be a gut check. There, There's no question. Jeff, I work retail. I never missed a single day because of the virus. Teachers were given second priority for getting the virus, and now they're whining and boohooing, sorry, I'm not shedding a single tear. Right, that, that's, that is exactly it. You've got to get people back. Um, Jeff, I I don't think this is worth getting excited over. It's only a couple weeks. Um, No big deal. No big deal. Okay, well, that's that's it if you want to cave in, you want to give in to the teachers, and you want to say in Milwaukee that something that all these other school districts across the country have been able to do and you want to say to the teachers i'll go to cancun that's okay you guys go hang out you know go on your spring breaks and stuff but you know we're we're not going to make you come in for in-person learning because after all it's not really about the kids jeff our grandchildren go to lutheran schools they have been in school since august with no problem um all right. I, look, and I do understand that you've got some people who are still just COVID-obsessed and just don't think that kids should go out and don't think that people should go out and they want to hang out in their basements. And if you are of that mindset, I, I, I understand that you're, you're probably never going to be willing to come out of the basement anymore. And, and I get it. There's a certain segment of the population that's going to be like that. But for, you know, the, the rest of the world, think you have to recognize that it's time, if we're supposed to follow the science, it's time to get back to normal. Jeff, volleyball team at Oak Creek East just quarantined because team member tested positive. It's still there. Well, of course, COVID is still there. COVID is going to be with us for years Covid is not going to go away. This is what frustrates me, and this is what we get lost with. Covid is not going to go away. There's going to people that get it, and there are people that are going to have to quarantine. All right, but what we want to do, and what we've really done, that like I was saying earlier, is even though you see the number of covid cases that in some states it's on an uptick, hospitalizations and deaths aren't, because the goal isn't to stop everybody from getting covid. You're not going. If that's the goal, then we're going to just lock ourselves down for the next five or ten years, maybe for ever. The goal is to make sure that the people who are most vulnerable have the vaccine and have the most protection possible. And yeah, then when you've got the volleyball team, if that's true, that has to you know go into quarantine because somebody has it. OK, kids, kids go into quarantine. You know that that's fine. But the chances of the kids having a significant adverse reaction is statistically not great. They'll have it. They'll they'll be better in a week, and then you kind of move on. That doesn't mean you shut down society, and yet that is precisely what the teachers want to do. And for everybody who thinks that this is a good idea, my question is, why then have all these other school districts, urban and suburban, across the state and across the country, why have they been able to reopen without any significant instance of COVID? And if you're not going to reopen it now, when are you going to reopen it? Ever? Ever? Seriously, ever? All right, back with lots more in just a couple of minutes. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic
0: Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now,
1: WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Mike Spaulding, I- I'm coming to the conclusion that our, our landlord, Scripps, you know, because we-, we-, we rent the space now, since we're- so we rent from Scripps. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to the conclusion that they're not paying their cable bill because we have all these, these different, like, monitors and stuff, but the, the one, the only one that I have a choice over is the, the one in this upper left hand corner here that, that has cable. Every day I come in and there's like five or six less channels that are available. And I, 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 you know, I, I've actually, I restarted the box because sometimes mm-hmm. they disappear now. So I, I'm just wondering if, if they've just if Scripps has just decided to uh, like not pay Spectrum Cable and so they're just like dropping all these channels because every day I come in and there, oh, there's all these things I've been watching for 20 years and I got my little routine and then the, these cable channels have just disappeared. So we talked about the the sit or the uh, the, the the
2: stories last week, right? right. We were wondering why the the woman was handcuffed. Right? Were you in the middle of something on one of these TVs? and Then all of a sudden, now well, no, it's gone?
1: every day I well, no, every day I come in. Some days, I mean, again, it's some days I have the History Channel, so five news has disappeared today they're just they, then there's a handful of just a couple of them mm-hmm. that they, they still have there but i i just keep thinking that maybe maybe w the, the tv maybe channel four is just like they've just decided we're we got to save money somewhere so we're just going to not, not pay the cable bill for the uh for the radio station someone should drop them a note where's our entertainment going well well exactly <laughs> or or maybe talk about it on the radio okay here's the other thing that's caught my attention now i understand that that here in southeastern Wisconsin, in Wisconsin in general, if there was one motto that everybody everybody shared, that motto would be: "If it's free, it's for me." Right? You know. So that's oh the yes. All right. Okay. So if, if if it's free, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't need it. Doesn't matter if you don't want it. If it's free, you take it. So here here's the story about Krispy Kreme donuts. Have you mm-hmm. seen this one? Oh. So mm-hmm. okay. So Krispy Kreme, Krispy Kreme actually had they had this. I, I rebelled against Krispy Kreme years ago because they had this, this marketing thing where they, they, they would not buy advertising time like on radio stations, but what they would do is they would bring like a dozen donuts over to a radio station to give it to the morning people, and then they would they would rave about <laughs> Krispy Kreme donuts. They, they were too cheap to buy this, so you know, for a, for a box of donuts that cost maybe like eight bucks, they got you know thousands of dollars of free advertising time. And I was always like, I, I'm you know, if 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 you want me to talk about Krispy Kreme donuts, okay, well, you could buy some spots. <laughs> so, but anyway, here here's the deal, Krispy Kreme is giving away one free original glazed donut per day through the end of the year to anyone who shows a COVID-19 vaccination record card cuz like when you go to get your COVID shots they'll they give you this little card and then you have it there um let's see um Qualified guests are those who have received at least one of the two shots of Moderna or Fiserv or one shot of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The offer, which began March 22nd, can be redeemed in the store or drive through but not through online ordering or delivery. People, okay, all right, Krispy Kreme's Wisconsin shop is located at 2900 South 108th Street in West Allis. So, I mean, the deal is once you got your two shots, you can go over there every day for the rest of the year every day and get a free donut or every did they are they sure that they wrote that right well i don't know i mean this this is this, i'm reading from the journal sentinel story crispy cream is giving away one free original glazed donut per day through the end of the year to anyone who shows a covid-19 vaccination card not just one donut i mean i, I the way i read that is i think the only way you can interpret that is one <laughs> free original glazed donut per day through the end of the year that, that that is a fair interpretation of that, right?
2: That sounds like what it is, but that's what I hear coming what, out
1: of your mouth. Well, that and that's I'm just reading this stuff off the Journal Sentinel thing. Okay, so here here is my question: Understanding that, again, this is in, in this area. If it's free, it's for me. Do you think there's going to be people that are going to be there seven days a week, day after day, getting their free Krispy Kreme donut? Y- yes. Yeah. Does I mean, water
2: make you wet? <laughs> absolutely.
1: You, you know very now. I do think, w- with all due deference to Krispy Kreme donuts, I, and I do think it's kind of interesting because we're on the one hand we're trying to encourage people to be healthy and get the COVID vaccinations and stuff. I, I'm not sure showing up at Krispy Kreme every day and pounding down one of those donuts is not necessarily <laughs> like health food and stuff like that. But but you know it's going to be there. Do they do coffee? Um, yeah, they they do coffee. Okay, now here's the deal as well, because they're they're not trying to be exclusionary. Funny you should ask that. People who have made the decision to not receive a vaccine mm-hmm. can visit the shop Mondays from March 29th through May 24th to get a free original glazed donut and a medium brewed coffee. So if you haven't gotten the shot, you can show up on on Mondays and they'll give you a free donut. And, and some a, coffee.
2: And a coffee. And a coffee. Well.
1: All right. Now, N- now I'm, you're, double,
2: I'm double thinking what I'm doing this uh, afternoon. Oh, okay. Now. Well
1: <laughs> well that that's it well, that's exactly right. You're getting yours at three o'clock today. All right. You know, go to the crispy crew. Now obviously they are doing this as a marketing tool and they are hoping that people aren't gonna just show up and get the free donut and leave. They're hoping that they're going to show up and buy like a dozen donuts or, or whatever. But I'm not sure they understand the Wisconsin market because no. I'm willing there's going to be a certain percentage of people. I've got my vaccination card. I'm showing up every day. Give me my free donut. If, so there you go. If I know anything from State Fair, it's that you are
2: 100% correct
1: <laughs> on on that, that stuff. So that's the deal. If you need If you need additional incentive to get your COVID vaccine... Um, well, that's all you need to do. You just Krispy Kreme is offering that deal, and you know that there will be people on a daily basis. I'm sure there'll be a couple of the regulars that are there. Just give me my free Krispy Kreme donut. Now, <sighs> I, I, the question is, what are you going to do, Jeff? You're going to get your first dose of your. I'm scheduled to get my first vaccination uh, tomorrow morning. I'm not going to drive from where I'm getting the vaccine over to South 108th Street with my vaccination card to get the free donut. But on the other hand, I guess if I lived in the neighborhood, I I don't know if I'd go over every day, but I could see going over once in a while, maybe. All right, that's incentive. All right, when we come back, I thought it was acting. I'll explain. We'll discuss. You're listening to Jeff
0: Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Crew, producing the show today, today, and always. Are you a fan of The Simpsons, the show? Uh, it was never really in my house growing up, so I, n- okay. I can't say that I am. <laughs> I um. How about uh, South Park? Do you watch South Park? That was more of like a high
3: school, early twenties, yeah. um, kind of show for me. Not, not, not
1: anymore. Yeah. No. Well, I, me, me too. I mean, I, I. I, I i kind of I, I when the simpsons started the, the you know animated series that's been on for for like forever I think they're coming up um relatively soon they're gonna they're gonna be doing uh, it'll be their seven hundredth episode they've been on for thirty two seasons renewed for two more and um like i say you've got the uh you, you've got the they're, they're right around seven hundred episodes it's either I, I think last week or this week or, or whatever it's an incredibly successful Incredibly successful show. I'm the same way. I, I watched it the first several years and then kind of – and this isn't intended as a on. I just sort of outgrew it. I mean, it was one of those things you watch it for a few years and then and, – and that's fine. It's been successful, so you have other generations that kind of, you know, weave in and out. The, the creator of The Simpsons, his name is Matt Groening, and I, I like this guy because – well, he I think he approaches the TV show like I would have approached it if he was if I had created the show. In other words, he just the show is all about satire and he's just he's it's all about mocking political correctness. And when the forces of political correctness try to come at him, well, he, he responds accordingly. It's like, I'm, I'm not gonna be canceled. I'm not gonna give in to this stuff. I'm just going to, I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to kind of mock it. You, you had the controversy because they had one of the characters a couple of years ago that, that ran the, the quickie mark. The character was Apu, who was a, a stereotype for, uh, someone from India, you know, kind of like the stereotype situation of, of somebody who came over and is running the convenience store and there was a lot of controversy uh, about that and originally they, they decided to they weren't going to back down and finally they got all this pressure and so now the character Apu has kind of disappeared and they, they don't know if he's going to be coming back. There's another interesting controversy though that that's involved the Simpsons and it, it raises this kind of larger question that you're seeing playing out across the, the board. My, my comment would be, I thought it was acting. For example, if you have a black cartoon character, does that black cartoon character have to be voiced by a black person? If you have a female character, does that does the cartoon character, does that character have to be voiced by... A female, if, for example, in a TV show or a movie, you have a character who is a homosexual character, a gay character, does that character have to be played by someone who is gay or can instead you have a a heterosexual guy playing the, the gay character? And my answer would be it's acting, isn't it? But that's not where we're going. I bring this up because on The Simpsons, there was a a character, one of the cartoon characters, was Carl Carlson, who was a, you know, he is a a black character. The voice for like 30 years of Carl Carlson was done by Hank Azaria, who's one of the, he also did the voice of Apu, and he does lots of other voices as well. And it, it, you know it turns out that he was voicing the character of this Carl Carlson well it, it came out that uh, Hank Azaria who has been doing this for decades he's a white guy so there was this huge backlash that hey you've got you know you've got a white man who is voicing a black character and so what they did is they bumped Azaria off and uh, from doing this voice and they brought in uh, a black voice actor and so, you know, you, you've seen this come out in, in other shows as well, Family Guy and a number of other ones where it it's, turns out that you have, again, the performers, the actors, whether it's a voice actor or like a real person actor or actress, you know, they're, they're, are they appropriating somebody else's culture? I mean, is it unreasonable? If you've got a talented voice actor who does a variety of voices, Okay, can can you not have that white actor do the the black voice anymore. 855-616-1620. That's the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And it's interesting, because I'm reading this article with, with Gronig that created The Simpsons, and he's just kind of throwing up his arms. And he's saying, look, this, you know, yeah, we've had all this stuff happen. These were not my decisions. These were decisions that, that other people were, were able to make. And he, he's kind of like, again, throwing up his arms going, this, this is kind of the world we live in. But, but I mean, isn't it, isn't it acting? The woman who does the the person who does the voice of Bart Simpson, who is a boy, that's Nancy Cartwright, who is a a female. She's a voice actor actress who does the voice of a small boy. Well, should she not be able to do that? Where do you draw the line nowadays? And if it's not just cartoons, is it is it again with like the movies and stuff? I mean, can you can you cast? A gay character, a straight man or a straight woman, to play a gay or lesbian character in the movies. Can, can you do that? Isn't it acting? Isn't that what we're supposed to pay people for? 855 616 1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line we discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855 616 1620. Jeff, I agree with you. Neil Patrick Harris who was Doogie Hauser Neil Patrick Harris is is, is a gay man um, he has played many straight male roles right is that is that it can you can you have a gay male that plays a, a straight role and the answer of course at least it should be yes these are these are actors and, and yes if you have a trained voice actor, Actor, should it really matter what the race of the actor is, or, or what the gender is? I mean, if you've got you've got a a woman that does the the voices of the sm- little small boys or whatever, and and she does the great voice. You know, at what point in time do we say enough is enough with this? Mike on the Northwest Side, Mike, you're on WTMJ.
5: Yeah, hi, good afternoon, Jeff. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, these are actors, and they should be uh, appreciated for their talent. Why do you have to have a person of that? specific uh genre or whatever you want to call it right. do the voice when uh it doesn't really matter you gotta have the talent of the people that are doing this and that's why you appreciate it. and they can do different voices in different genres and everything else
1: well, well absolutely
5: uh, for acting
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's it. I mean, okay, think about some of the great the great voice actors of all time. Mel Blanc, Mel Blanc, who passed away decades ago. He was he was the voice of Bugs Bunny. You know, he he did um, you know Porky Pig. You know, he did all sorts of other situations. You know, as well. So it's like, okay, well. We can't have a voice actor who impersonates, uh, a bunny because he's not a bunny. We need to get a real rabbit. I mean, that, that's how silly this stuff ends up, um, getting. Uh, Jeff, they would have needed two different actors that played Jack Tripper on Three's Company years ago. Yeah. Somebody else was just saying, okay, what about Mrs. Doubtfire with Robin Williams, where Robin Williams played somebody in drag? Okay. Could, could you end up doing that? Um, Jeff, it's called acting. Yes. That's, that's my point. It, it's called acting. Acting. Jeff, the problem we have now is all these people are just sitting there looking for something to be offended by. Well, absolutely. That's what's going on with the you know the culture that is out there. Now, look, I understand if you're all about diversity. I, that, that's not what this conversation is all about. And if it's all about, you know, providing opportunities and things like that, but but this idea that gee, you you can't have a, a straight woman playing a lesbian. You can't have a character actor a, a voice character actor in a cartoon. If you're white, you can't do the the black act. You can't do the black character. Or if you're black, can you do the, you know, Indian character I mean it, it's some you need to find somebody from India to do this no th- these are actors th- that's what you are paying these people for and yet this is the ongoing controversy um Jeff would this be an issue if the voice of Homer Simpson was portrayed by a person of color well I don't think it would be an issue because it it shouldn't um, You know, be an issue. The bottom line is it, it's acting. Jeff, based on these acting criteria, Alec Baldwin should not have impersonated Donald Trump because he isn't Donald Trump. Um, yeah you've got the element there so in any event this is the ongoing controversy and there's like I said there's an interview with the creator of The Simpsons who's just kind of he's just sort of shaking his head just like we are going man I just don't know what the world is coming to where now we have to be so specific that voice actors or actors in general well okay don't Don't get outside whatever box you are in because the cancel culture will come for you. All right. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.